Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. Hey, what's up, Lake Point family? Uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, my name is Mike Bro, and I have the privilege of being on the teaching team here. And man, I hope to see you guys sometime this summer in person. Uh, you know, I've never like really been a big time hugger, but I'm about to become one. Man, I'm, I'm just ready to be back and excited to get to see you soon. And man, it's been quite a year, hasn't it? And in the midst of all that's been going on, uh, I, like many of you, have been praying like nonstop and trying to serve and and I've been reading and, and writing and trying to listen well and trying to learn. I've been, I've been going to God saying, search me, oh God. Not him, not her, not them. Search me, reveal my heart, oh God. Point out anything you see inside of me that needs to get fixed. I'm talking any attitude, any bias, any arrogance, any envy, any anger. I mean, anything, God, that you find offensive. And please, please just give me your heart. You know, I've heard a bunch of people saying, uh, man, I just want things to get back to normal, right? And I totally get that. But I'm thinking that just maybe normal wasn't all that great. I mean, let's be honest. The truth is way too many of us have been like self-quarantining for years, isolating from real friendship and stifling our gifts and opting out of God's call to stand for the oppressed and be his ambassadors of reconciliation. So many of us too afraid to leave the security of our, of our homes and just really follow Jesus. And one thing I do know is this, God is always calling you and me out of the comfort zone and into the courageous zone. So maybe, just maybe, he's calling us all to a new normal. I mean, 2 Corinthians 5.17 tells us, if anybody's in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. You see, God is really into new. New life, new hearts, New minds, new beginnings, new attitudes, new vision, new wine, new wineskins, a new heaven, a new earth, a fresh start, a new birth, a new normal. So that's why we're doing this series. And as we've been laying this out, Josh asked me if I would talk about this new normal as it relates to marriage. Uh, I heard about a couple in their 90s who were sitting together watching TV during quarantine. And the older gentleman leaned over and said to his wife, I'm proud of you. And she said, What? He says, I'm proud of you. And she fired back, well, I'm tired of you too. <laughs> I mean, let's face it. And we spent a lot of time together this year. And maybe the anxiety levels in your household just keep rising. It might be unemployment, finances, or the endless stream of bad news on social media and television. Perhaps, you know, the fear of catching or passing along the virus or that feeling of being kind of cooped in and having no space and kids are getting on your nerves and you're getting on their nerves and everything's just kind of, kind of tense right now. And I'm just guessing that this time may have revealed some stress fractures in some of our relationships. I mean, even created, you know, some real distancing. And if that's the case, I just like to invite you to do what I suggested a little bit earlier. Go to God personally and say, search me, oh God. 
What has all this revealed about me? Do something new in me. Now, before we talk about this, you need to know up front, I am not an expert in marriage. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a therapist. I never watched Dr. Phil. I've never written a book on 10 simple steps to a happy marriage. But I have been married for 43 years now. That's right. I am 106. <laughs> Debbie and I were super young when we got married. We've been dating since we were 15. So we've been growing as best friends for quite a while now. So, so just know this, you know, this is not coming from some like relational guru, but just an imperfect husband who's trying to learn to love his wife like Jesus loves all of us. So I thought that since we just have a little bit of time together today and not like a, an entire series dedicated to this topic, I just go with some foundational reminders. You might have heard how the uh, legendary Green Bay Packers coach Vince Lombardi would begin the first day of training camp every, every year the same way. He would stand before all these you know, highly trained, conditioned professional players. He would hold up a ball and say, gentlemen, this is a football. Just let them know, man, we're getting back to the basics in this training camp. So I just thought I would share like a basic definition of marriage that I've used in, I don't know, just about every wedding ceremony I've ever done. And then I want to break it down a little bit. And I've been praying this might help you if you're married or if you're not to see all relationships a little more uh, through God's eyes. Here's the definition. Marriage is two imperfect people entering into a committed relationship, diligently pursuing intimacy under the loving leadership of God. Let me give it to you again. Marriage is two imperfect people entering into a committed relationship, diligently pursuing intimacy under the loving leadership of God. Now I want to go back and just unpack that a little bit. And let's just start with the reality that marriage involves two imperfect people. You know that by now, right? I mean, just think about the whole like makeup of the family for a moment. In marriage, you're trying to take two uniquely flawed, imperfect people with different personalities, different physical and emotional needs, different family of origin issues, different strengths and weaknesses, sometimes very, very different goals and expectations, and you're trying to make this happily ever after bliss-filled experience. And then you add to that like an imperfect kid or two or, or three with different personalities and needs and emotions and strengths and weaknesses, and you end up looking around at who's in the room and you're saying, hey, why aren't you normal like me? Because if everybody in this family felt like I felt and reacted like I react, communicate like I communicate and like the movies and music and food that I like, this family would be awesome. Debbie and I are alike in a lot of ways, but man, we are so unlike in so many other ways. Like when it comes to our taste buds, like we're on a road trip and we'll stop for gas. She'll go into the convenience store and come out with all the sour stuff, you know, salt and vinegar chips and uh, like Sour Patch candy, sweet tarts. We're all, I'm all about the chocolate, Cheetos, uh, uh, peanut M&M, Snickers bars. And we don't like the same kind of music either. I like a wide variety of music. She's pretty much easy listening only. Uh, we don't like the same kind of shows. I like comedy. She likes drama. I like creative fictional stories. She's all about true stories. I'm in the other room watching old episodes of The Office, and she's watching another gripping Dateline. You know, you know Dateline, where the guy comes on? Oh, the wheat fields of Kansas, blowing in the wind, picnics in the park with hot dogs on a smoky grill, and not much ever happens in this picturesque slice of Americana until there was, well, could be murder. I mean, she's always watching that stuff. And those things are always about some guy who's living a double life. But God, no one ever thought would do something so sinister. One night she said to me, you know what? I've been watching, <coughs> excuse me, so many 
of these things, I'm starting to get suspicious of you. I said, well, stop watching these things. And we, we cracked up laughing. But I'm telling you, recognizing and appreciating early on how different we are physically, emotionally, and sexually, uh, knowing our unique personality types, our passions, our gift mix, just being honest about desires and dreams has really helped Debbie and I embrace our imperfections. It's enabled us to cut each other some slack and lower expectations and put up with little annoying things and cheer each other on and forgive easily. You know what? I am so grateful she's not normal like me. Now, according to the Myers-Briggs personality type test, I am an ENFP. Uh, Debbie is an ESTJ. I'm slightly extroverted. I'm actually what they call an ambivert, where I can sit comfortably on the borderline of extrovert and introvert. I mean, I love being with people. And when I've had enough, I love being by myself. And then when I get tired of being by myself, I gotta find some people. Debbie, on the other hand, is absolutely fueled all the time with being with people. Plus, she has a gift of hospitality, so our house is normally full of people. And people love to be around her. Probably the friendliest person I've ever met. And she's more of a planner. She's a thinker. She's a cautious processor. I'm more of a free-spirited, creative, spontaneous risk-taker. And it's been really, really helpful to take those kinds of tests to determine how God has uniquely wired us and then embrace and even celebrate how God has uniquely wired the other person. Now, just a couple of disclaimers here. Personality types are not boxes to put people into. They're not labels, they're not stereotypes, and you never, ever use them as ammunition. Hey, you see the test said right here, you're just a no-fun, neat freak. That's all you'll ever be. You need to loosen up. Or get off the couch, you lazy introvert. They're never... Never an excuse to do that. And they're never an excuse to continue to do the things we know we shouldn't do. We can't come to our, our spouse and say, well, God made me like this, just the way I am. Can't change. Sorry. Deal with it. Never do that. The goal is to know your basic wiring and celebrate all the wonderfully unique ways that makes you you and also be aware of the shadow side of your personality so you don't go there. So what Deb and I have been trying to do is take our uniqueness and all of our flaws all of our imperfections to a perfect father and say, God, I'm just grateful that you made me uniquely me. Thank you for my unique personality, my gifts, my talents, my passions, my tastes. And I also recognize there's a shadow side to me, some fatal flaws. And if I don't let the Holy Spirit lead my life, that stuff's going to come out and make me a very difficult person to live with. So God, I'm asking you just to put me on your potter's wheel and shape me and mold me and chisel me and turn me into your best version of me so I could bring a better me to my marriage. I love the way the message puts up Galatians 6, 4, and 5. It says, make a careful exploration of who you are and the work that you have been given, and then sink yourself into that. Don't be impressed with yourself. Don't compare yourself with others. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. So marriage involves two wonderfully unique, imperfect people who are entering into a committed relationship. I've been learning that in every relationship, not just marriage, but in every relationship, what makes them rise or fall comes down to commitment. And did you know that the word commit is a verb? In fact, when the word commit is used in the Bible, it's an active verb. Verb, And what I mean by that is it's like, like, not like a, a one-time stand at the altar and say, I do. 
No, it's continual. It's, it's active. It keeps on getting to know the other person. It keeps on getting to learn their strengths and weaknesses. It keeps on appreciating their personality type and unpacking all the family of origin stuff. Commitment keeps on building and rebuilding trust with them. It continues to give the other person security in knowing that you keep your promises. And it's in that exclusive commitment that makes physical intimacy the beautiful thing God had in mind when he created it for marriage. Now, I grew up with a song that said, you've lost that love and feeling. Whoa, that love and feeling. Bring back that love and feeling because it's gone, gone, gone. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You know what I'm talking about? I've learned that love is not a feeling that you fall in and out of. Love is not this involuntary act of the hormones. Love is a decision. It's where you choose to commit. Can I give you a noun that goes with this verb? Now, this, this sounds very superdated, like almost like an endangered species, but it walks hand in hand with commitment. And the word is faithfulness. Faithfulness. Now, when the word faithful is used in the Bible, it carries the meaning of firm, steady, sure, steadfast, trustworthy, honest, secure, rock solid. And throughout Scripture, all those words are used to describe the character of God. I love what Beth Moore writes about this. She says, faithfulness is resting in his certainty, persuaded by his honesty, trusting in his reality, being won over by his sincerity, being sure that he's sure and believing he's worth believing. That's faithfulness. The songwriter David wrote this in, in Psalm 89. He said, I will sing of the tender mercies of the Lord forever." Young and old will hear of your faithfulness. Your unfailing love will last forever. Your faithfulness is as enduring as the heavens, O Lord God Almighty. Where is there anyone as mighty as you, Lord? Faithfulness is your very character. So, gang, faithful is who God is. And Jesus Christ chose to commit to us. So if we're going to thrive, strive to like live our lives like him, then all of our relationships must be characterized by commitment, by faithfulness. You don't enter into a marriage relationship saying, well, I guess we'll give it a shot. No, it's making a good to the grave commitment to another person and being actively faithful to them. You see, faithfulness is persisting, even when I want to quit. I mean, think about this for a minute. How do you get to be like a world-class athlete? Now, of course, there's the God-given talent part involved, but there's also hours upon hours of practice and grueling workouts. I mean, you can ask them, you always feel like working out? They'll say, absolutely not. Ask any master musician, any master craftsman, do you always feel like practicing hours a day to be proficient at what you do? They'll say, of course not. It can be brutal. What I'm driving at here is the hang in there, stay at it, put in the work component the faithfulness. There's that I choose to commit to you factor at play here. And you know as well as I do, that is the opposite of our culture. Our culture says do everything based on your feelings. If it feels good, do it. If it doesn't feel good, don't do it. If it takes too long, bag it. If it requires too much effort, just quit. Do whatever feels good. Live by your emotions. And as a result, we end up being manipulated by our moods. And before we know it, yeah, we've lost that love and feeling. Whoa, whoa, whoa. But mature, spirit-led people live by their commitments, not their emotions. Emotions come and go. Faithfulness is persisting. It's just doing the right thing, even when you don't feel like it. Faithfulness is just showing up. 
Even when, even when you're tired, even when you're moody, even when nobody else is running with you or cheering you on. And I, I'm just guessing, I'm just guessing that some of you today are kind of at that quitting point where you just feel like you're ready to give up on your marriage because it's been a tough stretch. Or, or maybe you're ready to give up on your boyfriend, your girlfriend, ready to give up on school just because it, it seems way too hard. Some of you think your finances are hopeless. Like, I'm, I'm never going to get out of debt. What's the use of trying? Some of you feel like your health situation is hopeless. I'm never going to get any better. Or you're ready to give up on that career, that dream, or that hope of ever getting married or whatever. And you feel like, like throwing in the towel. I heard somebody say a few weeks ago, I threw in the towel. And God threw it back and said, here, wipe your face. We're almost there. I love the way the message puts James chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. It says, you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you can become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. I'm telling you, it's when you're in those pressure situations where you feel like quitting, that's when the Holy Spirit does some of his best work in perfecting faithfulness in your character. And he will help you say through your words and your actions, you know what? I'm not going to quit on you. Let's work through this. Let's get help. Let's forgive. Let's do whatever we need to do to fight for our relationship because I choose to commit to you. Someone who works at a, a nursing home uh, posted this about an older gentleman who was coming to visit his wife with Alzheimer's, and she'd seen him many times before, but never quite in this way. And this is what she posted. I observed him when I parked beside him the other day. He sat in his old pickup truck for a few minutes, and then he patted down what little hair he had. He straightened out the threadbare collar of his shirt and looked in the mirror for a final uh, check before going in to see his wife. It was as if he were courting her. They had been partners for all these years and have seen each other under all kinds of circumstances, yet he carefully groomed himself before he called on his wife who wouldn't even know him. She writes, this is an example of the type of love and commitment the world needs today. And it is. See, marriage is two imperfect people entering into a committed relationship and they're diligently pursuing intimacy. Now, when you hear the word intimacy, your mind probably goes to sex. And in marriage, that's part of it. And I think you should have lots of sex in your marriage. It's a wonderful gift that God has given to married people. And I know right now, some of you are ready to shut this whole thing down and say, honey, I think we really need to apply this to our life. Now, before you do, please know that intimacy involves so much more than just physical touch. I'm talking here about deepening friendship. I'm talking about connecting on a soul level. I'm talking about learning to really like each other as well as love each other. I'm talking about stoking the, the, the romantic fire in your relationship. Because let's face it, when you live with the same person for years, you can get stuck in a rut. I and mean, it can become like um, holy matrimony, something like that, with a little spark and little, little joy. I heard a stupid story about these uh, two single people on a, on a mission trip together. They were driving through the mountains of of Colorado and they got stuck in a snowstorm and they knew they were in trouble because their, their, their car wouldn't go any further so they got out and they were looking for a, some shelter for the night and they found this abandoned hunting cabin and they, they got in the hunting cabin there was a stack of blankets and a, and a sleeping bag and a cot and the guy said listen I'll take the sleeping bag I'll sleep on the floor and you can have the cot so she laid down the cot and he wrapped her up in a blanket and he got in the sleeping bag and zipped it up on the floor and then uh uh, then about five minutes, she said, I'm, I'm, I'm cold. So he got up out of the sleeping bag and got her another blanket and, and tucked her in and got back in the sleeping bag and zipped it back up. 
And about five minutes later, she says, I'm, I'm still cold. So we got out by the sleeping bag, grabbed another blanket, and tucked her back in, got back in the sleeping bag, zipped it back up. About five minutes later, she said, I'm still really, really cold. He paused for a second, laying there, and he said, hey, I got an idea. What would you think if just, if just for tonight we would pretend that we're husband and wife? And she said, I'd like that. He said, then get up and get your own blanket. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, it's so bad. But gang, that's where we get in marriage sometimes, right? We can do better than get up and get your own blanket. It's incredible how we trade in romance for a recliner, love songs for leftovers, and falling asleep in each other's arms to falling asleep on the couch with drool coming out of our mouth. We have to consistently be creative in breaking the routine and keeping things fresh so that we don't lose our passion. Proverbs 18.15 says this, Intelligent people are always open to new ideas. In fact, they look for them. It's just saying, you're a smart woman. You're an intelligent guy if you try new things. Now, if you're a guy like me and you're looking for some help with some new stuff and you need some help with saying like smooth, romantic things, I want to show you some lines straight from the Bible from the same guy that wrote that proverb from the Song of Solomon. It says this, How beautiful are you, my beloved. How beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are like doves. Your hair falls in waves like a flock of goats frisking down the slopes of Gilead. I love this. Your teeth are as white as sheep, newly shorn and washed. They are perfectly matched. Not one is missing. This totally works in Texas, right? I'm telling you. Your lips are like a rivet of scarlet. Oh, how beautiful your mouth. Your, your cheeks behind your veil are like pomegranate halves, lovely and delicious. Your neck is as stately as the Tower of David, jeweled with the shields of a thousand heroes. Your breasts are like twin fawns of a gazelle feeding among the lilies. Before the dawn comes and the shadows flee away, I will go to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. You are so beautiful, my beloved, so perfect in every part. Guys, you don't have to be that smooth. <laughs> Just a simple thank you might be enough. A simple note. You can write a card and put it in their carry-on when they're on the road or just give an occasional thoughtful gift or a text or better yet, a call right in the middle of the day or a wink across a crowded room or just grabbing his hand and really listening or holding her without expecting anything in return, planning a weekly date night and garden it with your life, laugh a lot, say thank you a lot, and talk a lot. Listen well when you talk and communicate deeply. You're like, stop scrolling, put down the phone, and really talk about things that matter. And say what's in your heart. And look into each other's eyes when you do that. Did you know that most sexual affairs are not usually because somebody's hormones were raging out of control? People have said, I just needed to talk to somebody. I needed somebody with a give-me-focused attention. I needed somebody who was, like, interested in me. I needed someone who would look in my eyes and really, really listen. Did you know that talking... It's one of the most intimate things you can do. Look what it says in Proverbs 20, verse 5. It says, The purposes of the human heart are deep waters, but those who have insight draw them out. I would encourage you to take time to wade in deep and draw them out of each other. Intimacy develops when you talk deeply. Debbie and I, we have breakfast together most Mondays. been doing it forever. It's a cheap date, and we love bacon and eggs. Uh, we'll sit on the back porch and talk. Uh, we'll go on a walk and talk. We'll go on a drive and talk. All just to spend some time together just talking about stuff. If you don't make that intentionally, it's not going to happen. You really do have to kind of shut it down and carve out intentional time and plan some getaways and some date nights and time where you can just pray together and worship together and, and pursue deep intimacy with everything you got. 
So here it is. Marriage is two imperfect people entering into a committed relationship, diligently pursuing intimacy. And all of this is under the loving leadership of God. I'm just telling you, again, as an imperfect husband, this is where all relationships thrive. You get that one relationship right, and yours will get better. Proverbs 19.22 says, What a person desires is unfailing love. And gang, i got to tell you, there's only one place where you can get that unfailing love. Because we've already established that we're all imperfect people, right? I mean, this is where a lot of relationships get in trouble. They expect an imperfect, flawed, fallible human being to give them an unfailing love. And that's setting the relationship up for frustration and failure because there is only one place to find 100% unfailing love. I love what Brendan Manning says. He says, if we want to truly love, we must return again and again to the great love of the great lover. I just want to show you a simple diagram. We'll put it up on the screen. So, so, so you got a husband on, on, on one corner of this triangle. you got a wife on the other, uh, bo- the bottom part of the triangle. And you got God at top. And what a lot of people try to do, they'll try to grow closer together to each other. And they, they get closer, but then they figure out there's something missing. There's a spiritual component missing because God created us with a, with a God-like shape. That, that, that we're going to be empty unless we're filled up with Him. And, and usually, not always, but usually it's the wife that figures that out first. So she starts to climb towards God. And the husband goes, where's, where'd she go? And then once he figures out, yes, it is God, he starts climbing toward God. And both of them, regardless of what the other person is doing, they're just, they're just growing closer to God. Look what happens. They get together at the top. And I'm telling you, gang, that is a sweet, sweet spot to be where you and your spouse and your creator are all woven together. Man, I think that's what Scripture means when it says a, a strand of three cords is not easily broken. So marriage is two imperfect people entering into a committed relationship, diligently pursuing intimacy under the loving leadership of God. And maybe, just maybe, that can become your new normal in your home. Let me just lead lead us in prayer for, for a moment. Maybe even say something like, Father, right now, just please help me open my eyes, open my eyes to my blind spots, my shortcomings, my, my flaws, my shadowy side, my sins that really aren't helping my marriage. Maybe you could just pray, search me, oh God. Me, not him, not her, not them, me. Mold me into your best version of me. Help me do what I need to do so that by your grace I can make my marriage one that just flourishes and thrives. Father, I I just want to pray for every relationship that's represented here today. I pray for every marriage that's represented, God. And, I, and I, I thank you for the grace that has guided our lives for the past 43 years. And I thank you for the way your, your grace wants to work in everybody's life. So I, I pray, Father, that we as imperfect people would just come under your loving leadership, surrender our lives to you, humble ourselves before each other, honor each other above ourselves, look out for the interests of the other above our own, God, I pray that all that would make our marriages just thrive. God, I thank you for the people represented here today that are walking close to you and they're trying to make this happen. I pray for those who are struggling right now, God, that maybe what we've talked about here today would really help them look deep inside and go to you and ask for help and refuse to give up on this. Father, thank you so much for teaching us today. Thank you for the hope 
of a new normal in our life. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. Lake Point.